Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. Tonight we're talking about the way we talk. It came as quite a surprise to me the comment that the politician made in passing. Christians often like to write to politicians because we care, and it's right to express our views and show our concerns, stand for truth. But sometimes we don't do that well in the way that we speak. Chatting with a leading politician in America, he just casually mentioned that some of the rudest letters and emails that he receives come from Christians. Speaking of politicians, of course, they can be easy targets. Ever since the expenses scandal of a few years ago, it's become so easy just to lob them all into a skip, generalise about them. They're all arrogant, self-serving and pompous, forgetting the fact that there are many public servants who are sacrificing greatly in order to serve us. The way we speak is important. And then what about when we disagree in our churches? This week on Lucas on Life, we're talking about the way we talk. Recent political developments have provided the world with a verbose cast of characters. There's Mr. Trump in the White House, the ebullient Boris now parked in number 10, and King Jong-un leading North Korea. This triumvirate of world leaders with their very odd hairstyles, the presidential orange comb-over, the prime ministerial only recently tamed blonde hair stack and Mr Kim's extremely odd hirsute arrangement should cause hairdressers worldwide to rise up in protest because all three of these headline grabbers are surely in need of a decent trim. But without even getting into any party political issues, there are other concerns. We should be worried about the way that conflict is handled these days and the way that we talk, the way we speak to each other when we disagree or find ourselves in conflict. Sir Kim de Roche, the British ambassador to the USA, was forced to prematurely end his career because of leaked remarks about the Trump administration. De Roche was dubbed by the Oval Office as a very stupid guy. TV news anchor Megyn Kelly was called a bimbo and another reporter a sleaze. In September 2017, Mr Kim from Korea described the American president as that mentally deranged US dotard. Hours later, Mr Trump responded with a tweet calling Mr Kim a madman, although they've been cozying up more recently in what's been described as a bromance, which is interesting as Mr. Kim is one of the worst persecutors of Christians in the world. But then that's another subject. Mr. Johnson, Prime Minister, when Mayor of London, famously called his colleagues in the London Assembly great supine platoplasmic invertebrate jellies, which is a mouthful, but is as creative as well as acerbic. The political arena has always been a place of fierce argument and fast retort. So Winston Churchill, rightly celebrated for oratory that galvanised the nation at war, knew the power of an acidic sentence. Back in 1946, he said, I wish Stanley Baldwin no ill, but it would have been much better if he had never lived. He once called Labour leader Ramsay MacDonald a sheep in sheep's clothing. On Prime Minister Clement Attlee, he mused, there is less there than meets the eye. 
But recent vitriol, shouting, even abusive language has taken things to new depths. All this is really worrying, not least because instead of debating issues, leaders resort to infantile barbs more commonly found in the school playground. And those younger souls who are still in the playground may well feel more empowered to send bullying tweets when adults in high office resort to consistent verbal abuse. And as I mentioned earlier, we Christians need to beware as well. A favoured weapon of choice amongst believers is the labelling machine. A Christian leader goes public with genuine concerns and questions and is quickly tagged as a heretic. Now, there is such a thing as heresy, and truth must be guarded, but it's the speed at which the label is applied that's worrying. And those in leadership can be guilty too, especially the more insecure types. As a young minister, I was irritated by a lady in our church who fearlessly confronted the male-dominated model of leadership that we had. I quickly labelled her as divisive, and viewed her as an interloper who threatened our unity. Thankfully, no witch's ducking stool was available at the time. I'm grateful that she accepted my apology years later. And then there's the genre of name-calling, which is devastating, because the person attacked has no means of defence. A preacher is dubbed as unsound. Their teaching is not deep enough, an entirely subjective accusation because there's no way to scientifically measure just what is deep enough. Exuberant worship is sniffily dismissed as frothy. Healthy discussion and disagreement becomes impossible. Dissidents are tagged as traitors. Authentic unity is not the absence of conflict. If you're in a church where everyone always agrees on everything and dissenters are quickly shuffled to the edges, then run for your life. The doctrine may be orthodox, but you might unwittingly be trapped into something that has the social structure of a cult. Not only is all of this name-calling hurtful, but ironically, it doesn't help us to get to the truth. When we lob verbal grenades at each other and then duck down in the trenches with others who share our opinions and prejudices, we don't grow. Name-calling is lazy. It's easy to smear and demean those who disagree with us with a well-aimed insult rather than rigorously engage with their argument. So next time we find ourselves in a cauldron of conflict, let's play nicely and disagree agreeably. And if you're a little offended at my earlier tongue-in-cheek comments about the hairstyles of certain world leaders, just call me stupid and superficial. Or maybe don't. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. We're talking about the way that we talk, especially when we find ourselves in conflict and disagreement. Do we at times resort to labelling people or even name-calling in order to easily win our argument, except that we've not engaged with the argument? 
And here's the truth as well. Both truth and tone matter. We live in an age of tolerance. Scratch that. We live in an age where tolerance is the new God to be revered and worshipped. If you're seen to be intolerant, then you're a bigoted, narrow, arrogant lowlife and your contrary opinion is hateful because there's one thing we just can't tolerate these days and that's an opinion that is contrary to the consensus. The thought that the majority might just be wrong just doesn't seem to occur to some, even if we are related to the folks who thought for centuries that the earth was the centre of the universe and the sun circled it, until in 1534, Copernicus politely pointed out that we are not the centre of everything, but rather are circling the sun. We can be wrong. The church has failed miserably in this department of recognising the limitations of its understanding too. Galileo was another who proved that a herd mentality is not great when it comes to being right about what's what. And his support of Copernicus's ideas led him to clash with the church of his day. He was placed under house arrest for his heretical views and was held captive for the rest of his life. Once again, the majority was wrong, and I'm talking here about the church. But woe betide the person who breaks step with the consensus, with the majority, who walks apart from the crowd. Just recently, a beauty pageant contestant in America was asked her opinion about same-sex marriages. She replied with gentle graciousness that she personally believed that a marriage was designed to be a relationship between a man and a woman. The judge who put the question was incensed. She lost the crown and an international media flurry broke out, including a demand that she apologise for her comment. Now, this is not a moment for me to discuss the rights and wrongs of her viewpoint, but what was happening here was a liberal fundamentalism. While insisting that everyone has the right to free speech and free choice, the guns are quickly turned on anybody who dares to disagree. They will feel the heart of fundamentalist ire if they do. Liberal fundamentalism indeed. Why did this happen? She didn't speak any spiteful words of homophobic hatred, just simply answered the question, expressing her own personal convictions in a measured manner. But it seems that we are living in a time when some people act like the thought police, insisting that we agree with their views while, as I've said, all the time demanding tolerance. If she had spoken up for gay rights and then lost the crown because of it, there would have been an outrage, and rightly so. As it turned out, her quiet courage opened the door for many media opportunities for her to speak about her views on human sexuality. Her voice was welcome. It was no rant, but a steady voice. In a world of political correctness gone mad, it can be really difficult to hold an opinion that is contrary to the popular trend, whatever the topic or issue. So let's be willing to be unpopular, not for the sake of unkindness, but because of conviction. But hold it right there. There's a vital truth that Christians often miss when we speak up about our values and one that we can learn from that pageant contestant. You see, it's not only the content of our message that matters, the tone of it is important too. Christians can be passionate, should be passionate, and passionate people can sound strident and aggressive, and there is also a temptation to be angry when we feel our viewpoint is being suppressed. When that happens, we can come across as ranting, yelling people who are regarded as suspicious. We are called to gently persuade, 
not pummel people with our words. Sometimes the world can't hear a word of what we're saying because they're just too put off by the way that we say it. It's a wonder that Jesus spent so much time in the company of the despised so-called sinners of his day, but an even greater miracle that they wanted to spend time with him. The holiest person who has ever walked the earth was a sought-after party guest and the kind of person that children lined up to hug, not usually a problem for wide-eyed fanatical types. His winsome storytelling nudged people to think and discover truth. His preaching didn't involve blasting people with right ideas, but edged them forward to discovery. In fact, he reserved his strongest words of confrontation for the religious, not the sinners. So let's be willing to break step and have the courage of our convictions. But as we're thinking about the way we talk, let's be kind, gracious, gentle as we express those convictions. The way we talk, it matters. We've been thinking about the way we talk. I remember an occasion many years ago when I made an announcement in the church that I was then leading. There's a member here, I said on a Sunday morning, a member here that has caused a great deal of trouble in our church. People have left because of you. People have been hurt because of you. Today, I'm going to call you out by name. Everyone shrunk down in their seats, thinking for some reason that I was talking about them. It was then that I revealed the name of the member that had caused so much difficulty. The Bible says the tongue is an unruly member. I wasn't going to name a person. It's the tongue that can be so dangerous. When we talk, let's realize that our words can hurt, can bless, can build up, can break down. The way we talk, it matters. Lucas on Life.